coming up in today's Film Disruptors. This is the whole key. This is the whole point. Change is not easy. Um, you know, a, a shift in power, a, a push for different kinds of people on screen and different people in leadership positions and different um, directors and writers and all that stuff. Of course, it's going to be destabilizing. Of course, it's going to make people anxious because people have gotten got really complacent in their power and, and how the... The stories were viewed and who were our heroes and who were the ones making decisions and everybody's just saying no we're not we're not going that way anymore we're changing uh we're not accepting this as a stat as the status quo any any longer and it's everything's in flux hello and welcome to film disruptors with me alex stoltz where we share insights and strategies from the leaders who are redefining and reimagining film and storytelling. And today's guest is the irrepressible and inspirational Melissa Silverstein. Melissa, who is at Mel Seal on Twitter, is of course founder of Women and Hollywood, which educates, advocates and agitates for gender inclusion and diversity in the global entertainment industries. I caught up with Melissa from her New York base recently to talk me too time's up and where next in the fight for equality as well as seeking her inspirational advice for emerging storytellers and to talk about her role as director of the athena film festival this episode is in two parts and you are currently listening to part one If you are enjoying the show or just want to find out more, there are a couple of ways to stay in touch. Firstly, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Just click subscribe on iTunes to get the latest episodes as soon as they drop onto your device, your desktop, however you like to listen to your podcasts. Also, you can sign up for updates at the home of Film Disruptors. That's www.alexstoltz.com just enter your email to receive all the latest film disruptors news and episodes straight to your inbox and this is also where you can access previous episodes find out more about our featured guests and get in touch i'd love to hear from you so that just leaves me to say thank you for listening and now i'm going to hand you over to melissa silverstein and I started part one by asking Melissa to give an overview of where she felt the industry was almost a year after Me Too and Time's Up. Everything is in flux, not only the issues related to gender equality, but safety on sets and, um, you know, parity and inclusion are things that have, you know, disrupted the industry. And also, you know, the industry is disrupted by mergers and technology and all these other things. And there's just a heightened state of anxiety in general um, by people who have power, because when people are, have power, they want to keep power. Um, and so, they are not very good at, you know, figuring things out and <laughs> moving on. Um, and so having all these different things happening to them in terms of 
destabilization, I guess is the best word, um, has caused uh, just a lot of anxiety. And I th- and while the people who are pushing for this destabilization are, you know, this is the whole key. This is the whole point. Change is not easy. Um, you know, a, a shift in power, a, a push for different kinds of people on screen and different people in leadership positions and different um, directors and writers and all that stuff. Of course, it's going to be destabilizing. Of course, it's going to make people anxious because people have gotten got really complacent in their power and, and how the the stories were viewed and who were our heroes and who were the ones making decisions. And everybody's just saying, no, we're not we're not going that way anymore. We're changing. Uh, we're not accepting this as a stat as the status quo any, any longer. And it's, everything's in flux. And so you also have people pushing back the guys, uh, mostly all white guys who have the power are, you know, starting to push back and are, you know, feeling, that this is not, you know, this is not okay. And that's, you know, it's, I, I don't find that any, I don't find that shocking in the least. Uh, of course, they're going to push back. This is normal. This is, this is exactly what happens when people are pushing for change and social change. And uh, this is how you have to keep going. Oh, that's uh, really, really interestingly uh, put. And I think, um, yeah, I guess that's a a sign that progress is being made. You know, getting, you know, ha- having those that kind of pushback or uh, reaction. I'm interested about this. You mentioned about the comparison with the movement with other disruption going going on in technology and yeah, different business models. I guess, and that's something you know we've been focusing on the show here. Do you do you think that you know the new new technologies and uh, and that kind of movement presents more new opportunities for equality and women to participate? Have you have you sensed that? I mean, my my observation seems to be that there does seem to be more. Ah. Uh, I haven't got the statistics to, to to prove this, but it does seem to be a bit more quality when we're thinking about immersive storytelling or, or VR. There seems to be more women pushing that agenda. I don't know if that's something you've observed. Well, okay, so there are a couple of thoughts on that. Firstly, um, we do have – there are more opportunities – in general, because of the increase in the amount of content due to all the new uh, platforms. But because there's so much more content available and more jobs, that doesn't mean the numbers are increasing and the numbers are actually still flatlining. So there might be more women and people of color working, but the numbers are not going up because the amount of content is increasing. So what we want to see is, of course, more people working, but we want more the numbers to increase rather, you know, still 10 percent of, you know, 10 percent is still 10 percent, no matter if you have, you know, 
if, if the jobs increase and you're still only getting 10% of the jobs is, I guess, a better way of saying that. And so that's something we need to just keep in mind where everyone is like, well, there's not enough women directors, which they always said before, because they didn't want to do the work and everything like that. And they still say that. So while you need to keep doing the work, and yes, there are enough women directors and there are enough women writers. You just need to keep doing the work. But there is more work out there. And so we need to just keep on giving people more names and have them continue to look for um, the, the, you know, inclusion and, and women when they do the hiring. I mean, technology is completely, you know, disrupted this business beyond I, I think anyone really could understand and still is having a hard time processing uh, the fact that, you know, like they're having a question now, what is a movie? Um, is a movie something that you only see on the big screen or is it something that you could see at home? Um, and those are definitions that, you know, people are, are struggling with now because of how cinema watching is different. But at the same time, people, more people watching at home, box office is up. So, you know, you got to take it both ways. I think people are just watching a lot more content. And we are, I'm, I'm understanding through my work is people are looking for more curation of that content so that they can make better decisions. Um, but if you spend your whole day on uh, watching Netflix, which I know some people who do, you know, that changes the whole way that you interact with the movies uh, or if you watch TV all day. I mean, you're just it, taking in so much of it. Um, and it's it's just a whole different way of how we we watch and we process things. Mm. Um so yeah and discovery right and how you how you as you say how you filter that how do you make decisions and, right. and it, you know, yeah we're all at the um you know the algorithm algorithms are you know what are driving our content watching and so oh, what are these algorithms and how are they making these decisions for us and our brains and recommending for us what we should watch? Sometimes I get new things. Mostly I don't know my algorithm. <laughs> um, and so it's just like, well, maybe, you know, we we need to be able to find the other content that's on Netflix that, you know, you, you don't know what's there. Um, you know, search is not the best and, you know, maybe it would be great to have an alphabetized by section or something where you can see everything if you wanted to have that moment. Um, but again, it's it, there are people out there who are uh, curating our lives. Yeah. Do you think there's a strong appetite for, say, films with a about women or with a, a you know, women centered films is that something you're seeing absolutely i mean uh we've been we've been seeing that for many years um though the industry did not feel comfortable buying into that and so now you don't really have to um create the conversation about um is female content valuable because that's a given um, does female content make money? That's a given. Um, so what I don't want to see is, um, 
Oh, okay. So I'm going to go back a little what you were saying about like VR and shorts and things like that. And so what I don't want to see is that because we have an increase in things that are lower budget, that's where women get pigeonholed and people of color. So this is my fear is that we will continue to give Alfonso Coran $60 million to make a Netflix movie, but we're going to give the women $10 million. And because he makes epic movies and women don't. So I'm just want, I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about women getting jobs, but being pigeonholed into have getting less access to capital. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not straightforward. <laughs> it's not just a, a pure numbers. Not. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a great kind of introduction and overview, I think, of, of some of the key issues. But I'd love to talk about you, Melissa, and to understand, you know, how, well, your journey really to this point. And when did you set up Women in Hollywood? So I set up Women in Hollywood 11 years ago this fall. And um, it was strictly uh, online blog at the beginning for uh, many years. Um, and then as the work grew and I integrated the online piece with more activism that has um, allowed um, the work to be like an online initiative, but also to have a lot of offline activities. So I spend most of my time now um, advocating for change in a variety of way across the globe. Um, I find that very exciting and rewarding um, based on using all the experience that I have developed over time with women in Hollywood. And also with the film festival, the Athena Film Festival, which I'm the co-founder and artistic director of, that also is a place where we do a lot of great um, conversations about why we need women's leadership at all levels of our culture, including the industry, because we know we're not going to see significant change anywhere unless we see changes in leadership. And that includes the White House to the studios. And is that is is that then? Would you say that's your primary focus? Then it, it's about creating leadership opportunities. My, pri my primary focus is about continuing to push for um, systemic change as much as possible. So I am happy to um, be the outside agitator and to put ideas out there and conversations that are, um, you know, pushing the envelope. And as over time, they have, they become more mainstream. So when I started talking about this stuff, it was not mainstreamed at all. And now it is everywhere. And it's not even, you know, it's not even an issue anymore that it, it's an issue. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Everybody knows that this is a problem in our culture and uh, it, now it's just all about continuing to keep your foot on the pedal and to not get complacent and uh, to continue to push for change. Mm. 
from your your travels and your expertise, uh, you know, where where are you seeing change really take place across the world or, or, or industries or yeah or areas? Well, and, and and how's that how's that happening? What what strategies are they using? Well, I think one of the key areas is for um, people who, for many years, um, denied that they were part of the problem. Um, Hollywood is an ecosystem, and there's problems at every single level of the ecosystem. And for many years, like, for example, film festivals could say, you know, we're at the end of the food chain. We just screen movies. We're not part of the problem. And no longer can they get away with saying that because the numbers are just in their faces. And that was one of the best decisions that was ever made by people was to get real numbers, to get out of the anecdotes and to start counting. And I think people started counting maybe close to a decade ago, where not just here in the U.S., which you could count from box office, but outside the U.S. where there's funding, you can count on money that is given that, you know, supporting for development for content buying about women. You can see what movies get made. There's content buying about women. You can, and, and it was clear that women were not getting a fair shake of this money. And this is money that comes from the people in these countries. It's taxpayer money. And so their fight in other places is a fight for, uh, you know, equal distribution of their tax dollars. And in a lot of places, that's an argument that has um, worked quite well. Um, And so you see investments from government-sponsored institutions like at the BFI in Ireland and other places um, to get to 50-50 in terms of their funding. And and putting in requirements um, in order, you know, serious requirements that you have to fulfill in order for you to get the money. And so it's causing a lot of people to have to think about things differently. And now this is not about tokenizing women. This is about integrating inclusion into your thought process of how you make movies. And that changes the stories and it changes the people who are telling the stories. And outside of the public sector are there other strategies the inclusion rider had a lot of publicity early this year from the from the oscars and so on is that something you see getting more traction um yeah i think that just the fact that people are talking about how inclusion rider and people are asking about it and in uh, like wme one of the big agencies they're going you know figuring out how to make that a part of their work. Um, everybody has to do the piece that they can to push inclusion forward. And cause it's not something that you can just ignore. It's not something that's going to go away, which is what I think that the men in Hollywood are, are waiting for and hoping for that, you know, it's going to be another thing that's going to be timed out over a while and that everything's going to go back to the way it was. And it's not, it's not going back to the way it was. I mean, we can see we're over a year into kind of the time, me too, time's up will be a year old in um, January. And the accountability and the voices and 
just the the watch you know the watching now is not going to allow this to go backwards yes of course it's not going to be all forward motion there's going to be pushback but if somebody is still under their desk and they're waiting for the day when they could come out again when they can start you know like hand putting hands on women they should retire because that's not okay and people are not going to take it now, are there still men in power who are inappropriate and still doing th everything that we've heard about? Uh-huh. Yes, there are. But slowly but surely, they are going to be pushed out and they're going to die out. And hopefully, as next generations age, they're going to know it's inappropriate and they're not going to take up that behavior. It was so normalized for so long. And it was normalized by the men doing it because that's how they thought the world worked. And it was normalized with the women accepting it. And it's, of course, some respects men accepting it because that was the only way they could work. And that was just life. And, you know, that way of life is done. Great. And yeah, it's just, why the, you know, why was it so endemic? in film I, I i mean i'm not i don't even that's maybe just a that's just a thought of my own i don't know whether that's a question you want to answer but it just seems you know it just seems like film it just had more problems than so many other industries well i don't know if it had more problems than any other industries i just think that it's more visible so that we see it more but do i think that women in restaurants who are working for tips are any worse off yeah or any better off i don't think they're any better off i think they're worse off because they're working for tips and you know we have this industry where people get paid based on if you're flirty, if your shirt is a little open, if you're super nice, all these things for your work, it's work. You should get a salary for it. But we're still living this kind of, especially here in the U.S., so, you know, this tip-centric environment. So, yeah, you get, you get, you know, pinched on your ass and, and things like that. And you just take it because you need to feed your kids. <laughs> this is just, this is, you know, this, these are things that people don't want to talk about because they're just hard to talk about and it's really hard to confront and it's really hard to change, you know, people's sexism and racism. And, you know, um, when Starbucks closed like that morning to do like the race tra racism training, they lost like millions of dollars, but they had to do it. And this is what our world, the people who are in charge of this world have to decide, are they investing in the future? Cause that's what, People are, that's how we're getting to the future, is investing in people who are part of your business and in, you know, the world that you want to live in and the world that people are expecting us to live in. That was part one of my conversation with Melissa Silverstein, November 2018. If you want to find out more about Melissa, listen to other episodes or get in touch, please visit alexstoltz.com. And if you are enjoying this show, you do subscribe on iTunes and feel free to leave a review. 
As anyone listening to this show for a while will know, the business of storytelling is something I'm personally very passionate about. And when I'm not interviewing film disruptors, I love applying this passion and using my expertise to help independent storytellers and filmmakers accomplish their goals and get stories made and seen. I do this by working with storytellers intensively or over a longer period to develop the project and strategy for maximum finance, distribution and commercial impact. If you are a filmmaker or storyteller and would like to find out more about how I can help your project, I would love to hear from you. Please go to alexstoltz.com or just drop me an email at alex at alexstoltz.com. Thank you.